Welcome to the 63rd episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we talk takeaways from week 9 and give you some valuable waiver wire ads for week 10. What's up guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. Week 9 is in the books, except for this garbage game between the Patriots and the Jets for tonight. Um, I do have a prediction on tonight's game, actually, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um... Yeah, so week nine in the books, pretty much uh, kind of an ugly fantasy week. No, no, like, real explosions, I feel like, outside of Dalvin Cook and Josh Allen, which, in which case, if you have both of them, you probably won your week. I mean, those dudes literally killed it, like, 74 points between the two. Just yeah. unbelievable performance from those guys. But we have some takeaways here. Um, first takeaway I want to get to regarding one of your bold predictions, Tyler. DJ Chark, uh, we said by law on him last week, you were all in on him having a big game. You said over 75 yards. Uh, try, uh, did he go over 175 yards? 149 yards. Oh, he had 149. Okay, so like yeah, pretty much targets, double your prediction. Um, DJ Chark balled out, and it, it, it's what we've been saying all year. You were betting on the talent getting the opportunity and the targets, and that is exactly what happened. I mean, Jake Lutton unlocked DJ Chark's downfield prowess, which unlocked his entire game because he can run the entire route tree and he can run underneath routes, but you need to be able to threaten defenses with a deep ball first for that other stuff to happen. So I loved what the Jaguars did here. Um, and they're still in position to get Justin Fields next year. They still did lose this game, which is exactly probably what they wanted to do. So yeah, DJ Chark looking great. Um, for the rest of the season, are we looking if DJ Chark has Jake Lutton as his starting quarterback? I understand this was an easy, easy matchup. Bradley Roby was out like the stars kind of aligned for DJ Chark. But are we looking at a guy that is a wide receiver two for the rest of the year if Lutton is the quarterback? Yeah, the thing is with uh, DJ Chark is that he has a few, actually not really many, few bad matchups. So I'm going to say wide receiver two, I would say like mid to low wide receiver two, because I think some of the the production will be inconsistent. He has a tough matchup this week at Green Bay. We'll probably command a, a shadow from Jair Alexander. After that, he has Pittsburgh, then Cleveland, then at Minnesota, Tennessee, and then week 15 is at Baltimore. So, like, between Green Bay and Baltimore, he doesn't have any, like, matchups that you're completely avoiding. So, I think that he's pretty – he's startable in any of those weeks as long as Jake Lutton is starting. The issue is that we don't know what's going on with Lutton. Uh, we know that Gardner Minshew uh, is still dealing with an injury. So Lutton's going to start this week, but I would kind of steer away from starting him uh, if you don't have to. But yeah, um, I mean, Jake Lutton, as long as he's in the lineup, I, I re- really feel confident about DJ Chark. We saw him get 12 targets uh, lat- yesterday, and I think it was, it was a 14.8 yard A dot. Yeah, it was it was in the 14s, like 14.8, I think, is accurate for his A dot. So, I mean, tons of air yards for DJ Chark, which is what you want to see. He's a guy that should command those valuable targets. I mean, the dude is 6'4", great catch radius, runs a 4.340, um, really good with the ball up in the air. I mean, there's not much else you can ask him to do. He's a really good NFL receiver. So, we'll move on to another good NFL receiver that uh, is pretty much, I don't know what we can make of him now. DJ Moore, three tar- or four targets in each of the last three games. That's what his average is. So, I mean, only 12 targets through three games. That is not good for a guy that um, is just not on the same page as his quarterback. I-, I don't know what the deal is there. He's the most talented receiver in that receiving core. I will die on that hill. DJ Moore is a great talent in the NFL. 
but he's not being used. And what they're doing is working. I mean, going away from him is working for them. And at Teddy Bridgewater, it looks like every time he throws it to DJ Moore, it's kind of like a fuck you throw where he's not actually trying to make DJ Moore make the play. He's pretty much putting DJ Moore in a tough position and then getting mad about throwing a pick or whatever. Like in crucial situations, he'll throw bad throws to DJ Moore. And then I guess that's the reason why they don't target him anymore. It really makes no sense. I just wonder how much better this offense would be if they targeted DJ Moore. But for the rest of the year, with how low his volume has been, yes, the schedule is good, but he's honestly the third or fourth receiving option in this Panthers offense right now, assuming the running back is the third option and Robbie Anderson's number one and Curtis Samuel's number two. What is DJ Moore for the rest of the year? Like his fantasy value? It's really tough to gauge because like you said, he's like fourth in the pecking order right now. And it's unfortunate because we've been expecting a Curtis Samuel breakout like each of the last two years. And it just hasn't come. Like we've been disappointed by Curtis Samuel, like each year, even though we, we get these like training camp rumors saying like, Oh, Curtis Samuel looks fantastic. Like this looks like his year, but now the one year that we kind of sleep on him, he kind of breaks out a little bit and he's getting, he's, contributing in the rushing game as well. I think he's had three carries each of the last two weeks. And one of them, I think one of them this week was in the red zone. And he also scored on a red zone touchdown last week with uh, Christian McCaffrey out. So he's definitely contributing a lot more to the offense. I don't know what you can, you can do about DJ Moore. It's, as far as I'm concerned, it, until we see like a drastic difference, a drastic change in the, the, the target share, he's getting like he's a wide receiver three and like barely startable at this point given like given where he's at right now with the the quarterback and like the targets that he's getting it just it's really tough to start him on a week-to-week basis yeah I have I own DJ Moore in a lot of spots I have zero confidence in him right now I don't know what the answer is with DJ Moore he's really the odd man out in this offense it sucks um you do have some clarity Curtis Samuel's probably the guy that you want to start if you own him and DJ Moore, you probably want to start Curtis Samuel. They're getting him involved in the red zone, whether it's rushing, uh, pop passes, whatever it is, he's getting the ball. So really not feeling comfortable with DJ Moore in my lineups, pretty much just holding him on your bench. Really, I don't know when you feel comfortable with him unless Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson gets hurt, in which case he should see some solid volume, but that is not how you, you don't want to rely on injury. I mean, you didn't draft him in the third or fourth round to be a wide receiver handcuff which is what he is at this point. I mean, I don't know where the volume comes from with how the Panthers are playing. Um, yeah, so not feeling great about him. Um, another player that I'm not feeling good about, uh, Jonathan Taylor and Ronald Jones. I'll say both of these guys for the same takeaway here. Um, they have zero margin for error, whether it's a negative game script, whether it's they fumble or they miss a pass protection, whatever it may be. I mean, these coaches take them out immediately. There is zero margin for error for these guys to play through their mistakes. Personally, I think it's bad coaching to do things this way because Jonathan Taylor and Ronald Jones, in my opinion, at least, I mean, granted, I'm not an NFL GM, whatever, but I do believe these are the most talented running backs in this backfield and they're not being put in positions to succeed on a game-to-game basis. And it honestly ends up hurting the offenses that they are in. I mean, the more Leonard Fournette you see for the Tampa Bay Bucks, I think the worse the Tampa Bay Bucks offense will be. And not that Jordan Wilkins is bad. He's actually been pretty solid, but I don't think he's a guy you want to give an expanded workload to. He's a good change of pace back that can do some solid work on eight to 10 touches. But if you're going to try to force feed him these like 14, 15 touches that they're giving him, I just think his, his game ends up taking a step back. I mean, I think he's averaging 16 and a half touches over the last two weeks. 
And Jonathan Taylor actually was looking good. And he was the reason the Colts were moving the ball on the Ravens. And then once he fumbles, obviously bad fumble, uh, nothing you can do about that, but they didn't give him a chance to play through his mistake. It's like, as soon as he has one bad run or as soon as he does anything, they just boom, he's out of the game. And then the Colts offense is dead in the water because they cannot really move the, there. No one's explosive in this offense. Like Paris Campbell's not back. He actually might be coming back this week. Going to throw him into a waiver consideration. Um, he could be activated off of IR week 10, but yes, th- this offense just does not have explosion. And without Paris Campbell, without Jonathan Taylor in that offense, I mean, who are you relying on? Naheem Hines and Mo Ali Cox. Congratulations. You're going to play yourself out of the playoff hunt. Like it is not going to be pretty for this offense. And I think Jonathan Taylor has to be involved at some point, but I don't know when it comes but this week against the Titans is a get-right opportunity for Jonathan Taylor, but I don't know if the volume is going to be there. Hopefully, they give him the volume because this is a really good matchup for him to put in some work against a relatively beatable uh, front line. Uh, the Colts offense has the upper hand here, but Jonathan Taylor and Ronald Jones, you just can't have any confidence throwing them into your lineups at this point because the coaching is there. The coaches, it's almost like they want them to fail, and they're just ready to take them out the minute that they mess up once. Um, they're not letting the most talented players grow into a comfortable role. They're just, they're, they're flipping it quickly and it's not working for these offenses. And for fantasy purposes, I don't know when you're able to start them with confidence. Cause as soon as that mistake comes, they're pretty much screwed. Yeah. It sucks, especially for Jonathan Taylor, because this Colts offense does not look good at all, even with Jonathan Taylor. in. so when you take him out, you're just talking about like a Freaking, I don't even know what to call it because they, they just look really bad. It's a Philip Rivers-led um, offense is what we call it. Exactly. And obviously, I, against the, the Ravens' defense, they were clearly no match. Uh, they scored a touchdown on the first drive, which was uh, thanks to Jonathan Taylor. And then after that, they had the fumble for the touchdown. And then it was just straight, like, field goals. Or not even a – they had one field goal, I think, in the second quarter. And then it was just punts punts turnover to turnover on downs like it, it it was abysmal for the Indianapolis Colts and it's been kind of looking like that throughout the season because they just don't really have a lot of pop to their offense so um you know you hope that uh Paris Campbell is available uh coming off of IR I don't really know what is the status on that I, I'm yeah. sure you, you've probably looked at it before but like yeah this this team as a whole is really blocking the pop that Jonathan Taylor has the potential to give them. So it, it just sucks for them. It just sucks for the Colts. Cause like, well, I mean, like, they're doing it to themselves though. Like they're yeah. like the coaching. I understand Frank Reich has this record of being a good coach. I think he's sticking with Phil Rivers way too long. Um, you can't try to get this guy to win you games. You have to win in other ways. And if you're going to draft Jonathan Taylor, if you're going to trade up and get him because you believe he's a first round talent, a borderline generational talent. Obviously, he's not Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, but the dude is athletic as hell, and he's good, but you have to use him in the right situations. And this is the same problem I had with the Patriots getting Sony Michelle and the Lions getting on Johnson. They just run HB dive. Like, where is the upside in that? If you want a thumper, just go ahead and sign LeGarrette Blount or Jay Ajayi, and they can go ahead and do that job for you at half the cost without any draft capital being involved. It just really doesn't make sense the way that these teams are kind of approaching these situations. Um, I saw You saw Jonathan Taylor start to get work off the right tackle last week, um, even going against Calais Campbell. And I believe, uh, who's playing? I think Pernell McPhee is playing the other edge for the Ravens in the outside linebacker spot. Um, they were moving the ball on a really good side of the Ravens defense. Like they 
can do things going off that right tackle. And Jonathan Taylor's a guy where he can beat the linebackers off the edge and then turn the corner. And that's where he's explosive. It's like the usage for Jonathan Taylor makes no sense to me at this point. And hopefully they turn it around against the Titans, but I don't know. The Colts just piss me off. Honestly, Phillip Rivers, like what a boring offense. This team has really played nobody. And that's the reason they're five and three. I mean, their three losses came to the Colts, the Ra- or the Browns, the Ravens, and the Jaguars. And their wins came against the Vikings, the Jets, the Bears, who are the one of the worst five and three teams I've ever seen, offensively at least, uh, and the Bengals. Off Bad, a comeback uh, win. Bears and the Colts are kind of in the same position right now because their offense is boring as hell and their defense is kind of, kind of keeps them in every game. Yeah. Like if you watch that game against the Bears and the Colts. That was one of the most boring games I had ever watched in my entire <laughs> it was life. So bad. It was really just punts after punts. I think I watched like second, third, and like fourth quarter, maybe. Yeah. You had that Allen Robinson touchdown, which was good for me. But like besides that, it was literally just it was so boring to watch. Terrible. And like it's just a tech. They're pretty much in the same position in the their the their respective divisions. Like they're five and three, and their offense is boring. Literally brings them. Literally, uh, they're both a quarterback away from legitimate contention. Yeah. So it, it just it sucks to see it for for both teams there. It really does. And since we're on a negativity train here, I want to talk about Antonio Gibson. Not that he's played bad, but with Cal Allen breaking his leg and now Alex Smith who is coming back from a broken leg and has not looked particularly great. Um, I, I don't think he's the answer. I, I, I would assume they go back to Haskins at some point. I know Rivera said Alex Smith is going to be the starter, but he's just not the answer. And I think you still, maybe you give Haskins another chance to kind of grow into the offense. But I mean, Antonio Gibson with Alex Smith is a recipe for disaster. Honestly, Antonio Gibson's not a good pass blocker. We knew that the, the Redskins or the Washington football team knew that before the draft. JD McKissick is a better pass blocker and he's going to be incredibly involved in the passing game. He saw 14 targets to Antonio Gibson's three um, didn't have crazy efficiency on them, but honestly, you don't need that. If you're going to be able to pass block and get these dump offs for Alex Smith, you're going to be involved in the passing game. Antonio Gibson is not there yet. So he's really going to be a game script dependent RB2. He has RB1 upside any given week because he's so explosive. But at the same time, he's going to have a bust week if he does not score a touchdown. I don't know if the usage is going to be there in a negative game script for him to have like a huge, huge workload. I understand he got like 48% of the snaps, but J.D. McKissick had 85. Um, this guy is going to be on the field at all times. He's pretty much their number two receiver behind Terry McLaurin. And J.D. McKissick himself in PPR leagues, if I want to give – praise to somebody here. J.D. McKissick in PPR leagues is going to be a really valuable fantasy asset. The Washington football team uses him. Cal Allen is Cal Allen is not coming back this year. And Alex he Smith is already uh, pronounced out for season. Yeah. So Alex Smith is going to be the guy until maybe Dwayne Haskins comes back and they make a switch, but I wouldn't count on that. It sounds like he's in the doghouse with Ron Rivera. So yeah, I mean, J.D. McKissick, he's going to be probably equally as valuable as Antonio Gibson for the rest of the year. I know I said Antonio Gibson would be a top 12 running back, but with the way that this team plays and how anemic their offense is, I really don't know how much usage Antonio Gibson is going to get on a week to week basis. Like I'm expecting 10 to 14 touches a week. Uh, This past week, I want to say it was nine. I'm just not incredibly excited about either of the, either of the guys in this backfield. You were hoping Antonio Gibson would take over. And now with Kyle Allen out, there's like no chance of that happening. So Antonio Gibson, I'm not feeling great about him moving forward. J.D. McKissick, on the other hand, fine with him moving forward. Um, he's In PPR, he's going to be good. He's going to be solid. 
So I like that for him. I want to talk about another guy here, Tyler. I know you own him in a dynasty league, Christian Kirk. Um, the, we keep saying, oh, like he's going to have these like games where he's just going to not get touchdowns. He's, the volume is not high enough. Let's accept him for what he is. He's Tyler Lockett light. Like in 2018, Tyler Lockett had 70 targets and he had 10 touchdowns, like 700 yards. That's really the way Christian Kirk is trending. So if you want to say Kyler Murray is the next Russell Wilson, then Christian, War- Christian Kirk is damn sure the next Tyler Lockett because this dude fits with Kyler Murray's play style. He is virtually always open deep and they just have that connection. I mean, it's like whenever the pocket breaks down and Kyler Murray is just doing a scramble drill, it looks like Christian Kirk is the guy that's getting the deep target the same way Tyler Lockett did a few years ago and still does for Russell Wilson. So Christian Kirk, I understand the numbers say this is pretty fluky. Um, I just think you're seeing a mini breakout here from Christian Kirk. And I think it's coming with Kyler Murray kind of growing into his own as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, definitely. And when you have a quarterback, like you said, breaking out the way that he is, you definitely will be interested in the number two in that offense, especially considering the talent that Christian Kirk is. I believe that they played together in Texas Tech as well. So uh, Texas A&M. Yeah, sorry. I get those mixed up a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they clearly have that connection and it's starting to pay off now in, uh, in the big leagues. I mean, he scored, what, five touchdowns in the last four games? something yeah five touchdowns in the last four six in the last five just 23 catches for 400 yards and six touchdowns like that is Tyler Lockett 2.0 right there Mm -hmm. and you know he's the leading receiver for the team last or yesterday with eight targets so um yeah I mean uh, considering how well Kyler Murray's playing right now you didn't mention him as one of the breakouts but he low-key had 38 points yesterday Kyler Murray yeah, on he's probably back. the QB one on the year. Uh, I know Russell Wilson's been balling out, but after last night, Kyler Murray's probably going to be the QB one on the year. Yeah, he, crazy. He's, he's the guy that people were expecting to be like that—that that Patrick Mahomes, that Carson Wentz, Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson kind of breakout. Except yep. you have to pay that what sixth round, seventh round yeah. price tag. Worth so, it. I mean, him yeah. and Dak. If if Dak stayed healthy, it was going to be between them two for the QB one with Russell Wilson, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I agree. Obviously, Dak hurt. Kyler healthy, Kyler, Kyler's balling out. So he's playing great. But um, I do want to ask you a question here. Obviously, DJ Moore has taken a step back in the last few weeks. And Christian Kirk, although his volume is not great, has taken a step forward in the last five weeks. Who would you rather own for the rest of the season, Christian Kirk or DJ Moore? Uh, my faith stays with DJ Moore. I'm going to be honest with you. I still think that he kind of figures things out eventually, but like, it's tough to trust them right now. It's very yeah. tough to trust them, but it really is. Uh, I mean, it's it's so hard to to steer away from DJ Moore when you know how talented he is. But goddamn, I, I really hope that he figures it out. I, I'm really banking on him to figure it out with with Teddy Bridgewater because, like, we see it on the field. It's just that Teddy Bridgewater literally has his back turned to Teddy to uh, Christian. He does not make. He hates making reads. This dude locks on to one person and says, "Fuck it." And he just yeah. throws the ball. He tries to rip it in there, and whatever happens, happens. It works with Robbie Anderson because all the dude runs is shallow routes. I mean, he's not yeah. going past three yards. But, yeah, I don't know. This one's so close for me. D- uh, Christian Kirk's pace, it's actually pretty funny to listen to. Uh, 91 targets, 53 receptions, 914 yards. So 17.4 yards of reception. That's relatively impressive. 
and 14 touchdowns on 53 receptions. So if that pace keeps up, uh, Christian Kirk is going to be pretty much a wide receiver. That's, one. Season. that's that's his per 16 on the season. That's his per 16. Right now he's at 40 targets, 23 receptions, 400 yards, and six touchdowns. So that's with, that's with a slow start as well. Like he, I know. He's just he's coming on, and he's the number two receiver now. I mean, eight targets last night in a big game with on twenty six passes from Kyler Murray, so it wasn't a heavy passing game. He's just getting targeted, dude. He's a good player. He's he's honestly, I think he might be. I don't know. He's he's up there for like waiver claim of the week. I think we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Um, just a few takeaways here before we get into the waiver thing. And the last one I want to talk about, um, maybe a few more actually. But the last one I really want to talk about is the Miami Dolphins. This is not so much fantasy related. We can talk about the fantasy implications of it, but the Miami Dolphins over the last four games, last five weeks of the season have been the best team in football. And I do not want to hear anything about otherwise. I don't want to hear about the Chiefs, the Steelers, whoever. I know the Steelers are 8-0. Dolphins are 4-0 in that time. And they have absolutely destroyed the Niners, the Jets, who else did they play the other week? Though? Oh, the, the Rams. Rams destroyed the Rams. And then they played a great game in Arizona with Tua in his second career start. And Preston Williams getting hurt still beat the Cardinals. I mean, this team is really, really – it is not a team that you want to face in the playoffs. Like, you talk about what the Patriots have looked like in years past. Brian Flores has brought that culture. He brought in these super intelligent players from New England. Cal Van Noy, Landon Roberts, Ted Karras. I mean, these really smart guys that play integral parts of the team that are not the sexiest names, but these dudes can ball. Um, he brought them in. They have incredibly talented corners. They have an athletic linebacker core. They have Tua Tagovailoa and a young, really good offensive line. How far can they go in the playoffs is my question. I mean, first of all, I, I just want to say if, if that wasn't uh... – kind of if, if it wasn't um, wasn't notified already I, I think that Dolphins are, are a playoff team moving forward because like you said the defense is dominant um, you know the offense doesn't have to play great but Tua played a damn good game against a solid uh, Cardinals defense yesterday. Yep, I was very impressed by it. By it's almost like people shouldn't write off a quarterback who hadn't played in an entire year after one bad game against a really good defense. Like, yeah, Rams Rams played a, a good game against Tua, and it was his first game of the the, the season. Mm-hmm. And we we heard a lot of us heard that rumor that like the Dolphins are starting Tua to see what they have in him to make sure that they. They should go get a quarterback or see if they have to go get a quarterback in the draft. You're you're keeping Tua. I I think that he's the quarterback of the future as long as he's healthy. He looked fantastic yesterday. It wasn't just him. It wasn't just the the Cardinals playing bad. Like, he was throwing dimes on on this defense. So, I'm feeling very confident about Tua moving forward. I think that, you know, I I don't know exactly how the – teams will match up in the first round but I think that they can at least I think they have the opportunity to win a a wild card game in the playoffs at least because you know they they have that defense that's playing really well right now they have a defensive-minded head coach and you know Tua's playing with confidence right now you know I know it's just one game but like if he doesn't if he plays a defense that isn't like lights out I think that he can kind of like uh, dice him up and if Preston Williams is 
healthy, which yeah, is yeah. X rays came back negative, so he's gonna be like day to day, but it's yeah. not. He he missed. He did not. He dodged a bullet. No bad injury there. He should be fine within the next few weeks if he does miss any time at all. I think that Preston Williams being healthy in the the near future is definitely significant because we've talked about it. We both believe that he's more talented than than Devonte Parker, and he had a damn good game against the the Cardinals as well yesterday. Mm-hmm. So um, if they have him and Devonte Parker on the outside with you know that some playmakers and Jakeen Grant and uh, Mike Jasicki getting some reps there and miles Gaskin get eventually getting healthy. Like this team can make some noise in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I'm hope I'm really hoping to see them, them in the playoffs because I just love what, what Brian Flores is doing and how he's kind of flipped the culture in Miami. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's been great. And <laughs> I mean, you can't say enough about how good Brian Flores has been. I know they poached him from the Patriots. He was a Patriots guy for like 15 years, goes to Miami. He is the Belichick disciple that is going to maybe not dethrone him, but like he's going to be the guy that takes his organization to the next level uh, where all these other guys have been trying to do it. Mike Vrabel is another guy that's kind of done it, but he also never coached for the Patriots. I don't think, I think he just played for them. Yeah. He, uh, he was the coach. He's the true successor of, uh, of Bill Belichick. And this is with, you know, we've seen, Bill O'Brien, who looked fantastic in Houston before he no, got to No, no, no. I don't want to hear about uh, Bill O'Brien. That guy sucks. Matt, Matt Patricia. Matt let me, Patricia, I'm going to talk about Matt Patricia right now, but I'll let you continue. Let's do it. No, 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 no. Let's hear about, about Matt Patricia. Patricia. Okay, listen to how stupid this guy is. Kenny Galladay is out of the game, right? You have Matt Stafford yeah. and DeAndre Swift gets a 39% snap share in a negative game script. 39% after, after being 62 the week before. So I understand he had a solid game. I think like 12 fantasy points, whatever. Why are you not putting your best player on the field? Like why is Adrian Peterson getting, why is Carryon Johnson seeing 33% of the snaps? This shit just makes no sense. It's ridiculously stupid. They lost to a garbage team in the Minnesota Vikings who did one thing, run the ball with Dalvin Cook. And on the last, you know, like the last touchdown, like 70 yard touchdown for Dalvin Cook before he got benched because they had 10 players on the field. They had two linebackers on the field. That's that's like the, the, the Vikings literally just ran off tackle to where the linebacker was missing. And that was the, that was the play 70 yard touchdown. Like Matt Patricia, if he does not get fired, like it's a shame they won three games already, but if he does not get fired, the Detroit lions are just an inept, ridiculously idiotic organization because there are so many better options, like hire Eric Bieniemy, hire anybody, any guy before keeping Matt Patricia for another year. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, one of the better tight ends in the NFL right now, great red zone target, run after cash guy knows how to get open. He got 18% of the targets like that should be more. I don't think like, I think you should target him more than that because Danny Amendola sees 25% of the targets. It just doesn't make sense to me that like they're going to a guy like Danny Amendola this much. Like what even was the game plan to attack the Minnesota Vikings because they were dinking dunking their way down the field. And this team has no secondary. Like you can take deep shots on them. You do not want to play into their safeties. Those are the actually good players on this team in Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. It's just ridiculously stupid. I hate Matt Patricia. He's ruining Dalvin – or not Dalvin Cook. He's helping Dalvin Cook. He's ruining DeAndre Swift. He's not making TJ Hawkinson the star that he is. Oh, if I'm Kenny Galladay, honestly, if the Detroit Lions are not offering me top, top dollar, I'm leaving. Like there's no reason for him to sit here on a team that is never going to make a playoff push. They're on the brink of a rebuild. Like they're going to, at some point, Matt Stafford's probably going to end up getting moved because what are you really going to do here? 
Like, what is the end game for the Detroit Lions outside of making it as the sixth seed and getting bounced by Seattle in the first round? Like, Another person that was completely ignored was uh, Marvin Jones. He only had four targets, three catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, thank God started, he got that touchdown. Yeah, it, that pr- completely covered up what was a, a pretty shitty outing because he only got four targets as the number one receiver and against the Minnesota Vikings, who we've talked about. Like, he is notorious for shitting on the Vikings at year in and year out. So that was definitely disappointing. Um, yeah, I, I just want to see more DeAndre Swift. This this is another offense that needs pop, and they're they're literally avoiding the pop that that DeAndre Swift can give them by putting so in Carryon Johnson. Too. It just like like Carryon oh. Johnson has even come out and said like this guy can bend and move in ways that like I cannot. Like he's submitting to DeAndre Swift. Yep. And the fact that he is getting he's taking weight to. Uh, snaps away from him is it's so sad because like deandre swift can can bring another element to this this offense along with the tj hawkinson just another disappointing team also matt stafford didn't play a great game either i think oh he, he played terribly he he threw two touchdowns in the red zone so flip those into touchdowns or field two, goals two interceptions in the red zone you said touchdowns like that that pick to tj hawkinson so if you flip those to even field goals, like that's a totally different ball game because they don't get points off of turnovers. But um, <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it was just a bad outing for the the Detroit Lions. Unless you started DeAndre Swift, in which case you're probably you don't feel great about it. But I mean, it was a solid outing for him. Same there were thing points with- left on the field though. Like if he gets the ball more, like he could change the game for this team. Like you need to play the time of possession game against the Vikings because if not, Dalvin Cook will just run you over. Um, but anyways, enough negativity about that. Let's get some positivity going before we get into waivers here. Evan Ingram. So I understand he looked terrible. I expected him to be traded. He wasn't traded for some reason. They kept him. And now his usage, his usage has actually gone up the last three weeks. He's averaged nine or he's had nine, 10 and 10 targets. So 29 targets over the last three weeks and 13 fantasy points per game in those games. So big touchdown yesterday. It looked like he was going to drop it, but he didn't, um, I mean, feeling good about Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, kind of the same deal, 25% target share uh, since he's returned from his injury. And obviously we say Sterling Shepard probably is the most talented receiver that they have in New York right now. I get Golden Tate did not play, so that helps the cause for both of them. But I mean, Evan Ingram, given the tight end landscape, George Kittle being out, he's probably still a top 10, top eight guy for the rest of the year. Um, given the volume that he's been getting. I mean, maybe Jason Garrett is figuring out how to use him, which is not running curl routes and maybe letting him go down the field. So props to Jason Garrett for finally figuring things out uh, six weeks into his Giants tenure. Because over the last three weeks, he's actually been pretty solid for fantasy purposes. So Evan Ingram, well, another guy that I think is taking a step forward. But let's get into waivers here. Uh, Tyler, we got quarterbacks. Give us the two quarterbacks that you think are pretty much good pickups this week and maybe even moving forward, given the way they've been playing recently. Yeah, to start, I'm going to talk about someone that we, we talked about earlier, Tua Tagovailoa. I'm feeling very good about him moving forward, and he has a pretty good matchup against the, the Chargers this week. It's going to be kind of a head-to-head matchup between the two rookie quarterbacks that were drafted before Burrow. So I think that he's going to come out and have a pretty good game. And I, I really feel confident in him moving forward, especially if Preston Williams – comes back either this week or next week. So um, let me check his schedule real quick. But um, I don't think that there's really anything. Is the Chargers this week, which is a great matchup. I mean, Derek Carr was lighting it up. Like, 
All right, so he has the Chargers this week. Then he has at Denver next week, which is kind of tough. Then he has, after that, he has at New York Jets, Cincinnati, and KC, Kansas City. So um, that's four solid matchups out of five. And if you, I think that if you pick him up and he, he has another good game against the Chargers, which I expect him to because this, this Chargers defense is allowing a lot of yards to their quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I would feel pretty confident in keeping him on your roster the next week after and then kind of riding with him on that during that three-week stretch because those are other teams that aren't very good against the pass. So, And if Tua's playing well, then he could be a starting quarterback for you. So I, I'm feeling pretty good about Tua Tagovailoa. Other guy is Drew Locke, who, you know, didn't look fantastic yesterday, but he got a lot of volume, kind of brought his team back against the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, he's starting to figure out that Jerry Judy's a pretty good wide receiver, and he's kind of throwing to him. I think he got 14 targets yesterday, seven uh-huh. catches. Seven catches. And he, he, he was he could have had even more. I mean, they were pass interfering on him. Like, they could not stop Jerry Judy. It was just barbecue chicken. Every route he yeah. ran, he was open. And that's yeah. it's going to continue. And for those of you who saw his touchdown, you know how you you know how good Jerry Judy is. Like that that touchdown where he waved it as if he was th- getting a fade and just cut on a dime. That was tough. Um, but yeah, he's also using KJ Hamler, who also got ten targets. Um, not much much usage for Noah Fan, but I think that changes moving forward. Um, but yeah, this team, this offense overall is not bad. It's just put it on the hands of drew lock, but uh, they have some pretty good matchups moving forward as well. Um, I want to say they have, they have Vegas this week, I believe. Yeah. So they have Las Vegas this week, week, which is a pretty good matchup. Um, I think you said Miami, right? Yeah. Las Vegas, then Miami and then new Orleans and then at Casey, Kansas city, and then at Carolina. So, um, a lot of beatable defenses. It's just really on Drew Locke because he has the weapons. He has like the he has everything around him to um, allow him to to succeed. So it's really all, all up to him. And I, I feel confident in him moving forward. Yeah, I feel confident more so in Tua just because I think they're a better team, 100%. better coaching. Yeah. But Drew Locke, especially this week against the Raiders, I think he'd be a very very good streaming streaming option again he was the streaming quarterback of the week last week finished with 29.2 points uh really just brought his team back almost to win the game obviously did not but it was close at least uh, they kept it close so uh we'll move over to running backs here i want to talk about a few guys we'll go through them pretty quickly uh mike davis if he's available it looks like christian mccaffrey's going to miss a week or two uh pro- probably just one week it looks like it was just a shoulder sprain for Christian McCaffrey, but if he misses time, then Mike Davis is going to be in play as a volume-based RB2 against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I know it's the Bucks, whatever, don't care. Uh, the Bucks are going to come out angry, but Mike Davis, at the end of the day, his usage in the receiving game is going to give him a high floor, especially in PPR league. So look at him. Duke Johnson, David Johnson's hurt. Duke Johnson's exciting. Uh, the Texans' offense has been exciting since Bill O'Brien left. So go ahead and put in a claim for Duke Johnson if you need a stream for this week. And then a trio of running backs that I'm not too excited about. I mean, Jordan Wilkins, uh, I I don't think he'll ever be more than just part of the committee in Indianapolis. If anyone's going to take over, it's Jonathan Taylor, but it's not happening yet. And I don't know if it happens this year. So it's really an unexciting committee that they have there. Naheem Hines probably has the most upside week to week. But even at that, I don't want to rely on Naheem Hines because it depends on the game flow and their defense is too good to really let them get killed on a weekly basis. So Duke Jordan Wilkins, another guy, uh, Cordero Patterson with David Montgomery out. 
Uh, that's actually an interesting matchup playing against the Minnesota Vikings. I think Cordell Patterson could be a good, if you want to say, streaming running back this week. David Montgomery most likely out. Vikings is a good matchup, revenge game for Cordell Patterson. And he's being used in the passing game. I believe he had four receptions yesterday. So like a wide receiver running back, uh, maybe he's eligible for both in sleeper, but he he's a good option. About sleeper, but definitely on ESPN, he's he's listed as a wide receiver running back. Yeah. So, I mean, versatility, I mean, he's really just a flex anyways, but if you need someone that you can put into either spot, then that definitely works out in your favor. And Kalen Balaj, if Justin Jackson does have to miss time, uh, maybe he's another one of those guys that got screwed by Adam Gase because he looked good yesterday. Um, not saying he's a good NFL running back by any means, but I mean, if, if you, you put it together with, I mean, he looked better than Joshua Kelly. So it looks like it's the answer for the chargers is not Josh Kelly. Uh, he's literally just a guy for them in their eyes. And Justin Jackson, obviously hurt. Kalen Balaj sees the bulk of the work after being activated off the practice squad. So he's another guy that you can maybe consider playing against Miami this week. Maybe a revenge game for Kalen Balaj. I mean, I don't know. He's just another option. Um, I, I don't think there's that much discussion with the running backs. I mean, Mike Davis, like this is how you would rank them, right? Mike Davis, Duke Johnson, Jordan Wilkins, Cordero Patterson, then Kalen Balaj. Yeah, that sounds about right. Not a lot of pop between uh, amongst that group besides Mike Davis, who is probably owned in your league. I think he's at like 70% ownership right now. So, I mean, yeah. some I, know I have a league where he's uh, he was dropped this week. But if, I don't know how that, that comes about because it's pretty clear that he is the top handcuff in fantasy football, unless you yeah. want to talk about Kareem Hunt, uh, who does have value from a week-to-week basis, even with Nick Chubb on the field. But Second, second most valuable handcuff is somehow, if he's somehow on your waivers, you should definitely go put, pick him up. Um, yeah. I like Duke Johnson this week. I think they have a good playing matchup. against Cleveland. So yeah. it's a beatable matchup. I mean, the Texans are going to score points, which is the biggest part. So he has a good chance of scoring a touchdown any given week, just about how and much if, volume the Texans get. And if he's on the field pretty much like, I don't know what his snapshot is going to be with the, if David Johnson's out, but if he's on the field for that, like 60 to 70% of the time, like he's going to get touches uh, playing alongside Deshaun Watson. So I feel confident in Duke Johnson, Cordero Patterson with that revenge game. Um, he's definitely someone to look at as possibly a flex uh, for this week with uh, David Montgomery and concussion protocol. And then you pretty much said it with Wilkins and Bellage. I kind of just fill in guys. If anything happens to the starter with Justin Jackson, we don't really know what's going on with Justin Jackson right now. We'll probably get a bit more clarity by tomorrow uh, before we, we put in our waiver claims. But yeah, Kalen Balaj is someone to look at if he does, if he gets that starting role, because he's clearly ahead of um, what's his face, Josh Kelly and uh, Tremaine Pope. I don't know if Tremaine Pope got, yeah, he got was you. hurt this past week. He was out. Um, but I, I wouldn't expect him to be too much of a factor. Uh, he's he's a change of pace guy. I don't think he's a guy that you're going to give a big workload to. Uh, Kalen yeah, Balaj at least profiles to be that guy that can get more touches. Um, and I mean, they treated him that way and he delivered. So if Justin Jackson is out, I would expect Kalen Balaj to be involved in this offense. Um, but I think the, the, the more exciting grouping of players here is the wide receivers and tight ends this week, specifically wide receivers. Obviously, we talked about Christian Kirk and Curtis Samuel. Those are two guys that if they're available on your waiver, wire, I would go ahead and add them. Um, even if you don't plan on playing them, they're just guys that they've been have they've been stringing good weeks together, like three or four weeks for both of them, that they've had productive weeks. So if this continues, you're looking at a guy that one could be playable with relatively nice confidence or a really good trade asset, someone that you could add into a trade to kind of get you over the hump to get that blue chip talent player 
where someone may need depth or like a flex option in Curtis Samuel or Christian Kirk. So those are two guys I would look into grabbing. And then Preston Williams and Darnell Mooney, uh, specifically Preston Williams. I think he's another guy that should not be on waiver wires. He's on way too many waiver wires. I believe like 70% now Um, that should be 0%. He has a chance to be the number one receiver in Miami and he's out targeted Devontae Parker, despite missing half of last game. It, the targets over the last two weeks with Tua at quarterback is 10 to nine and Preston Williams is delivering. He's connecting on these deep balls uh, Tua trusts him. And I mean, that's all you really need. If you have a good quarterback that trusts you and you're a talented player, you're going to be fantasy relevant, especially for a team that is now good in the Miami Dolphins. This is not a stinker. This is a team that can put up points uh, a lot weekly and their uh, offense defense puts them in good situations. So Preston Williams, I would look to add him. He's the number three waiver claim this week. And then the other two kind of more free agent ads than anything, but Darnell Mooney and KJ Hamler, both exciting young players. Darnell Mooney is going to be a really good player in the NFL for a good amount of time. I'm sold on Darnell Mooney. He does everything you want from a complimentary field stretcher. He's a really good player. And then KJ Hamler, uh, pretty much the same thing. The volume is getting there. I believe, did you say 10 targets last week, Tyler? Yeah, 10 targets, second on the team. So yeah, 10 targets and obviously Jerry Judy's good, but if KJ Hamler's getting the ball, I mean, he's an exciting player and he can definitely make some stuff happen after the catch. So maybe Pat Shermer hadn't been using him in the right capacity, but if that starts to trend in his direction, uh, you're looking at another guy that's going to be explosive on a pass heavy team because the defense is not playing great with all the injuries right now. So, I mean, those five guys, I think like, would you agree that the first three are the ones that you would actually put waiver claims in for? And then the other two are just like, add them if they if they go unclaimed yeah 100 percent um i think that between williams samuel and christian kirk they all have startable upside especially with uh kirk and preston williams i I feel pretty good about preston williams moving forward i don't know if you realize but we're kind of buying this uh dolphins offense moving forward with Tua Tagovailoa in it we didn't really know what we're going to get at first but feeling pretty good about what we saw from Tua last yesterday uh, just making plays uh, in and out of the pocket, rushing a few times. I think he went seven brushes for 35 yards. So that's a mm-hmm. solid four for him. But um, yeah, with Preston Williams, obviously has the the potential to be the number one. We saw to a target the hell out of him. And, you know, if he, if he's, you said that the x-rays came out negative, if he's able to come in uh, either next week or uh, this week, like feeling pretty good about him moving forward. So. hundred percent. So the last two guys I want to talk about the tight ends here. Um, We have two guys, I believe both of these, if you're low, like if Kittle got hurt or whatever, I would consider putting in a waiver claim for them because I think they can be season long kind of guys. Uh, Zach Ertz not looked like himself. He's really not been that great. Dallas Goddard coming off of a high ankle sprain, but he's had, he played one week, didn't look great. He's had another week to rest up. And now he has a big divisional matchup with the New York giants who really, um, I don't think they have anybody that can really match up with Dallas Goddard. I mean, Jabril Peppers is solid, but he also has to play safety and maybe they match him up, but he's too small for Dallas Goddard. So I think Dallas Goddard has the upper hand this week, feeling confident in him. And the tight end I'm really excited about for the rest of the season is Austin Hooper. Uh, he was coming into his own with Baker Mayfield before the bye, uh, got hurt with appendicitis, missed two games or whatever, but don't forget about Austin Hooper. Baker Mayfield is targeting his tight ends. He's good targeting the tight end and he likes the tight end of the red zone. So outside of Jarvis Landry, he should be the number two option in this passing game ahead of both running backs. I mean, Austin Hooper should be involved and especially involved in the red zone on a team that is probably going to put up points. I am loving Austin Hooper for the rest of the season. Once again, if you lost Kittle, if you own Mark Andrews, who's been 
nothing but garbage this year, pretty much. I mean, if he's not scoring a touchdown, he's not very serviceable. So um, if you own either of those guys, or if you just need a tight end, go ahead and grab either one of these two. I'd be fine putting in a waiver claim for them. I like both of these guys. I don't know who I prefer this week. Hooper against the Texans, Goddard against the Giants. Um, Tyler, do you have a preference between the two? If you need someone to play just for one week? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Austin Hooper in that case because he's more relied on in this Browns offense at this point with Odell out. And, you know, Kareem Hunt's going to be there and uh, Jarvis Landry's going to be there, but he can really be, he could really solidify himself as the red zone guy in this offense. So um, with Dallas Goddard, um, the offense is slowly getting more healthy. I don't know how long that'll last, but Joe and Rieger is becoming more acclimated. Fulgham is uh, kind of coming into his own and Miles Sanders, I think we'll practice this week. Yeah, he should. I think he should be good to go this week. Yeah, I think that we're expecting him to play this week. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking at Austin Hooper as the guy over Dallas Goddard this week and moving forward. Also, Zach Ertz will probably be back within the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely taking Austin Hooper over Goddard. I have a question for you. So, we have a pretty long list of um, waiver claims. Not necessarily waiver claims, but like waivers – who do you think would be the number one priority out of all these guys besides Mike Davis? I'm going to take out Mike. Yeah. If Mike Davis wasn't in there, um, I'd probably be looking at Christian Kirk. Not going to lie. Um, maybe Preston Williams. Um, I, Curtis Samuel is kind of hard to predict because DJ Moore is still the best player outside of Christian McCaffrey in that offense, but obviously he's not being used as such. So I don't know what the hell to make out of Carolina's offense. Preston Williams could become the best fantasy asset in Miami. Uh, I know that's kind of like a bold prediction or whatever, but like he's good. Tua targets him. Miles Gaskin's out. They're going to be throwing the ball. None of these running backs really move the needle for me. Um, I mean, I'm feeling good about Preston Williams. So maybe even Preston Williams, honestly. I think he has the most upside because Christian Kirk is going to be solid. But at the end of the day, the volume is still not there. And yeah, I might honestly take for, for season long, like who has the most upside? I would go with Preston Williams. If I need someone to play like this week, I'll probably go with Christian Kirk for someone to play this week, just because his usage is trending in the right direction and big play offense, big play guy kind of makes sense. Uh, But I mean, either one of these two, I I think between those two though, between Preston Williams and Christian Kirk. Yeah. I would agree with that. As far as like overall value, I think that if you need a quarterback this week, you can definitely go with Tua or if you're quarterback needy in general, because I think that he definitely has season long value given the way that he's playing and how the defense has looked. The team overall has looked honestly, so, yeah, I mean, Preston Williams is definitely a guy that I, I would 100% be looking at. I really love his upside, and I, I don't know if I've made that obvious enough because, <laughs> I, I don't know, this like feels like the fifth time I've mentioned it. But. This is a Preston Williams fan podcast at this point. We've been talking about him for a long time. Like, we said bye, like, two and a half weeks ago. Like, it's time. It's time for Preston yeah, Williams. it's looking good right now. I think That's... that he could be one of those guys that has that, like, four or five game stretch uh, to end the season where like, he's just like stringing together, like 20, like 15, 20 point games and kind of delivers that, that fantasy championship for you. If you have time or if you can buy Preston Williams in dynasty, I would do so. He's pretty much been a buy low the entire year because he's coming off of an ACL and a foot injury right now kind of gives you another opportunity to, you probably don't need to send much for him. Uh, Whoever owns him is probably not playing him very much with confidence. So I would go ahead and try to look Preston Williams in dynasty as well. Redraft. I mean, both. I think this guy's going to take a step forward and assert himself as Miami's number one receiver for the future within the next few weeks with Tua. 
and they're not going to my hot take is that they don't draft a receiver in the first round next year i think they're going to wait till round two so we'll see what ends up happening preston williams go ahead and try to get him we will be back tomorrow with the buy low sell high uh episode and we've been killing those so we're gonna keep it going that wraps up our week 10 waiver pod if you want us to answer your questions make sure to ask us on social media our social media accounts are linked in the description of this pod thank you for listening and if you enjoyed this podcast make sure you hit that subscribe button Thank you.